folks, how many of you know that song? 1977. Well, I'm Jim Ammerman. I'm the adult ministry pastor here, and my responsibilities include uh, helping people to find their way into the church. That's assimilation, and also everything that has to do with life groups. That's Sunday schools, that's small groups, that's women's ministries, men's ministries, etc. So that's my responsibilities, and uh, I'm real thankful to be here. So thank you for calling us. When you listen to that last song, did you hear the words as, as they were on the screen? I don't know what I'm running to, but I'm running behind. Running on, running on empty. Why do you think a song from 1977 still makes its appearance through movies and and all over the place? How can we still know that? It's because it describes what so much of us experience. I'm just running behind. I'm running on empty. I am just dragging. Anybody relate to that? You know, I started a degree program at, at Alliance Theological Seminary, uh, and they, they wanted to start with spiritual formation because they want to make sure that if you're going to be one of the church leaders, we want to make sure that you're healthy. In fact, it's a doctoral program, so a sick doctor is not a good leader, right? I wonder if you can relate to that. Well, we've been talking about this, and I believe it's what God has been doing at Community Alliance. Last week, Pastor Bob did a great job talking about worry and the the sin of worry. How God commands us, hey, give me your concerns. Give me your finances. Give me your family. Give me your health concerns. Cast them to me. I care for you. A week before, Pastor Denny was talking about the storms of life. How sometimes we're in the middle and we go, oh my Lord, what are you doing? But if we look in the past and God's faithfulness in the past, we can be content in the present that he's in charge, and we can look with hope towards the future. Well, today I want us to look at running on empty, a symptom of our culture and a symptom of our lives. People who are burning the candle at both ends, and when you do that, there's no candle left. People that are tired, discouraged, and without hope. And it doesn't matter if you're from sunny southwest Florida or if you're in beautiful Butler. The symptom is the same. The good news is that God knows about this. He knows us inside and out. And he wrote about this. In fact, Jesus says in John 7, 37 through 39, turn your Bibles there. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the pew uh, in front of you, right in the back of the seat. John 37, John 7, 37, 39. And it'll be up on the screen in a minute too. (coughs) On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood... And said in a loud voice, Let anyone who is thirsty come and drink. Whoever believes in me, as as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him would later receive. Up to this time, the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not been glorified. So as you look at this text, The first question is, and if you pull out your sermon outline, I think it's orange, Joey's got it there. Uh, The first thing is, are you parched? Are you parched? Are you thirsty? We have to understand what our need is. Let let me show you something really cool, all right? Take a a look at this picture up here. That's That's Reverend Dr. Kevin Fast. Now, I don't know if Danny can do this or not, but... This is the world's strongest man. 
Uh, he's got nine world records, and he is pulling a C-117 Globemaster airplane. All right? It weighs 416,000 pounds or 208 tons, and he pulled it an awesome distance of 10 yards in one minute and 16 seconds. Somebody, somebody say, wow! Just seeing if you're awake, 9 o'clock service, right? you got to admit that's often awesome. And, you know, Kevin, this, this Canadian Lutheran, also uh, has world records in pulling fire trucks. Check this out. Can you see that one coming up soon? Or not? There it is. Now that's him with a beard. He's pulling like a 65-ton or 62-ton fire truck. Very, very, very impressive. But let me show you something even more amazing. You see, that C-117 transport plane... When you put volatile fuel inside it and you fire up the engines on some desert who knows where, that baby roars. The C-117 Globemaster plane was not created to sit around and be pulled by strong pastors or anybody else. It was created to fly. As a matter of fact, <laughs> that plane can go 2,785 miles at a top Altitude of 45,000 feet, carrying 134 paratroopers or 85 tons of cargo at 515 miles per hour cruising speed. It's not top speed, 515. Look, look what it can do. Oh, you can see like it can evade missiles and it can fly over mountains. Friends, we were not created to be like an airplane being pulled by a pastor. We were created to be filled with fuel and to fly. What about us? Jesus is saying, are you thirsty? If you're thirsty, I will give you fuel for your spirit. So the, first, the second right in there, if you like to take notes, those visual learners here, let anyone who is thirsty or anyone who realizes they're thirsty, because I don't know about you, but I've discovered that Nothing in this life really satisfies except for Christ. Thirst is a requirement for the filling. It's refreshing our need. How many of us feel like this? Man, I'm just empty. So how come we're, we're wandering around kind of pulling airplanes instead of firing up the engines? It's because, well, there's a lot of reasons why. It's because we end up trying to do things in our own hands. We end up saying, okay, God, I got it. Jesus is saying, you need to evaluate what's going to fill you. What's your source of life? What's giving you meaning? What's sustaining you? What is your purpose? Look at verse 37. On the last and greatest day of the festival, of the festival, what festival is he talking about? There's so much going on in this text here. If you were to go to the Jewish section of, I don't know where that is around here, if you go to Queens, parts of Queens nowadays, nowadays during the Feast of Tabernacles or Sukkoth, you'll see little tents up. You know why they put little tents up? Because they're celebrating the fact that God sustained them for 40 years in the wilderness. It's one of the most popular feasts and, it, and the feast, every morning at dawn, it was started as, as a priest would come down very ceremoniously with a pitcher, and they'd go to the pool of Siloam, a gold pitcher, fill it up with water, they'd process through the town at dawn, and they'd come up to the altar, and they'd pour out water on the altar, reminding the people that God 
And God alone is the one who sustains us. And as they did this, there would be trumpets and cymbals and they'd be singing the songs. A great festivity. Think Christmas. Think Thanksgiving. And at that point, Jesus very tactfully stood up. He didn't sit. He stood up and said, not in a quiet rabbi voice, teaching and and just telling them things. He stood up and said in a loud voice, undignified, if anyone is thirsty, come to me and drink. You know what the people are thinking after seven days of the festival? They're thinking, are you saying that you're the source of life? I mean, they'll kill people for saying that. Well, they did. But he rose from the dead and proved that he was the source of life and that he would send his Holy Spirit so that we would be fueled and overflowing. This feast commemorates God providing for the Jews in the wilderness for 40 years in a desert. You know what grows in the desert? Not much. Not much grows in the desert. As you're wandering through the deserts of your life, what is sustaining you? Because a lot of times we're looking for love in the wrong places. And that brings us to the next P. The first P is we need to realize that we're parched. That nothing is going to satisfy us. The second one is, what is the promise? What is the promise? Look at verse 38. Jesus says this. This is a rich text here. Rivers of living water will flow out of you. That's cool. You know what the King James says? King James says, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Bubbling out of your belly. The word here for stomach is actually talking about the inner core of your being. In the most intimate and personal place of your life where you feel the most dry and you don't want to tell anybody, I'll satisfy you. I'll put rivers of living water in your soul. And as you interact with your friends and your coworkers and your family, they'll say, I don't know what Melissa has, but she's got life. And I want that life. And Jesus is saying, come to me for, for goodness sake. He timed it perfectly. As everybody was looking at him, think proposing to somebody on Valentine's Day. So every Valentine's Day, that's when it happened. Jesus is saying, look, you've got to get this. Don't start following me in the Spirit and then just say, well, I'll take it from here, God. That's never what we're supposed to do. Rivers of living water will flow out of us. What's the promise? Isaiah 61.3, the oil of gladness. He'll exchange a crown of beauty for a crown of ashes. Ashes are dry and dusty. The joy of the oil of joy instead of mourning. In the midst of the morning, joy. A garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. Anybody ever have a spirit of despair? I have. You sit there and you go, oh, Lord, you got to help me. But if you go to the source, he helps. It's the joy of the Lord being our strength, says Nehemiah. It's the fruit of the Spirit. The love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And they say against such things, there is no law full of life, spilling out of us. What we need is a personal Pentecost. A personal Pentecost. 
And you look at this and you say, well, what, what's really going on here? Most of the people that really have been super effective for the Lord have had some sort of experience where they met Jesus personally, where they knew him. I was surprised to see Hudson Taylor. Yep, there he was. He had a time where the Lord met him personally and made him super effective. Billy Graham, praying with Armin Gaswine. Fred Hartley tells about him. He got the vision of a valley with a million souls. God touched him and empowered him. Jonathan Edwards, same thing. And I could go on and on and on and on. But we need a personal Pentecost. Jesus is specifically referring to the filling or baptism of the Holy Spirit, being totally immersed in his spirit and full of life. It means that this is going to happen either at salvation, which is rare. We get a portion of the spirit. If you have questions about this, please talk to me afterwards because it's confusing a little bit. Either at salvation or sometimes afterwards, we realize, man, I just cannot live this Christian life in my own strength. And so what we do is we, we set our, our direction in one direction towards Christ and we say, Lord, you got to meet me. If you're calling me to live like this, you got to meet me because I'm empty, I'm parched, and you promise this. It means really knowing Jesus. This then is eternal life, says John 17, 3, that they may know you. They may know you and the one who sent me. This means being immersed Christian Missionary Alliance has a statement that says, we're talking about expectation without agenda. So are you talking about speaking in tongues, Pastor Jim? I don't know. I'm not talking about an experience. I'm talking about not looking for manifestations, but looking for Christ and saying, God, I want all of you and nothing less. In my seminary, there's a guy who's known as this... uh, Kind of the Holy Spirit, dude. Uh, you know who I'm talking about, Pastor Denny. And uh, Ron Walborn, who's uh, his, one of his friends, uh, said, you know, what we're talking about here is we're talking about filling, being filled with the Holy Spirit. Doesn't mean speaking in tongues. He doesn't speak in tongues. And the guy goes, thanks for confessing that for me. That, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about being full of the Spirit, being full of God, and pursuing Him until He fills you in a very personal way. So the first one is, are you parched? Do you realize how needy you are? Secondly is, do you realize there's a promise that Jesus says, come to me? And third, third P, is what's the prerequisite or requirement for being filled? This is an earth-shattering one, right? Anyone who believes in me. That's easy, sort of. Do you believe that I will do this for you? Will you claim my promises? Will you put your trust in me? Pastor Danny and Connie were putting their trust in the hands of some pilot. Didn't even meet him. Did you meet the pilot? No. But you trusted him to get you all the way back from California? Whew. I've done it before. Jesus saying, look, I'm not asking you to fly the plane. I'm not asking you to pull the plane. I'm asking you to get in the plane. You've got to get the ticket. You've got to get seated. You've got to do your part. But get in the plane. I'll fire up the engines and get you home. That's what Jesus is saying. The prerequisite is that we believe, really cling to him. And it's not passive. It's active. It's saying, I'm seeking you. I'm, I'm reading scripture. I'm in personal worship. I'm waiting on you. The question is, 
Are we really relying on Christ? Or are we relying on ourselves? There's two reasons. Pastor Denny said, hey, you want to preach on the 31st? And he said, what do you want to preach on? Or whatever. There's two reasons. I dream of you folks going out there so full of Christ that your friends are going to say, what is up with that person? They're just always so joyful. It's annoying. Now, don't go out and be annoying, okay? That's not a good thing. We're all supposed to be winsome. But, you know, we can be unflappable. And we could say, I can love my enemies with God's strength. That's a dream for me. You want to know what the second one is? The second one is, I forget myself. I don't want to be on staff here and being, well, a lot of the times Jim's really seems like he's walking in the spirit, but boy, sometimes he's really grumpy. I don't want that. I don't want that. So I said, Lord, I want, I want to set the example Ephesians 5.19 says, uh, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit, sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. I want to be the guy that's almost singing when I see you. Hey, good to see you, sister. How are you? That's what I want to be. Not conjured up, but because of fullness in the Lord. I don't want to be guilty of this text. Look at Galatians chapter 3, verse 2. This is a scary text. Look at what it says. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by believing? What's the requirement? Help me. Say it out loud so I know you're paying attention. By believing. believing. By believing. Are you so foolish? Oh, that sting you a little bit? If we're trying to do work it out in our own strength, Paul is saying, are you foolish? Earlier he says, who's bewitched you? Strong language. After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? See, we can try to do this. Where's uh, John? Let's, let's, uh, let's demonstrate this, shall we? So I'm going to take this, and I thought I'd make a cross, all right? And John's going to come up in here, he's going to make a cross too. So I've got nails, and I'm going to uh, start hammering my cross. Just two should be fine. So... Ouch. Got to push hard. I might win. And so, are you going to use a hammer and do it in your own strength? Or are you going to nail it together like that? See, Denny, always plan carefully and have a backup plan, right? <laughs> what makes a nail gun effective? A nail gun is effective because, and I only, in all fairness to my, my poor friend John there, is uh, I only got one in, and it's not very strong. But you pick up a nail gun, bam, it's done. You're building a house, maybe the Amish, although I think even the Amish use somatic tools now. They don't do it like that. So the question is, how are we living our faith out? I took a bunch of people from our church to uh, College of Prayer in Georgia, and there was this lady from Kentucky named Ann Neely. And Ann Neely slipped out of the conference and said, you know, I think I'm going to make myself a cup of coffee. And she walks over to the coffee pound. Now, this is a bun coffee maker. Now, the message is on overflowing. Are you tracking with me, anybody yet? 
So she goes up to the bun coffee maker and there's written on the wall, do not make coffee. Don't do this. Let us do it for you. I don't want to bother anybody. So she pushes the button and she waits after she put the coffee in. What do you think she did? Anybody know what a bun coffee maker does? It measures out water one pot at a time. She pushed the button again. And it kept on filling. And it was flowing and flowing. She's like, oh, Pastor Jim, Pastor Jim, it's overflowing. And now the ladies are out there mopping it up. The point is, she's trying to get her own needs met. uh, And she doesn't want to go to anybody else who's more than willing to help them. Is it okay for us to get our needs met, met legitimately? Of course it is. By the way, later in that week, the Lord met her in a great, powerful way. And this woman is moving on powerfully. Great lady of God. But we have needs. What are some good and legitimate needs that we try to fulfill on our own? What about our need for significance? Any of the men here sitting there for significance? You know, am I important? Do I matter in life? We need to remember that we are children of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. A lot of women are, it's not significance, it's security. They're sitting there saying, you know, am I secure? Is everything going to be okay? Am I going to lose my nest, my house, my family? A lot of times that's what women worry about. And if we know Romans 8.28 is true, he works all things to the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. So God doesn't waste anything as long as we're coming to him. He can unscramble an egg. What about feeling accepted? Anybody wrestle with that? Man, am I accepted or am I on the outside? You know what God says? While we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. And if this still isn't enough, in the baptism of Jesus, when the Holy Spirit is coming down, He hears the voice of the Father saying, This is my, what? Son. Beloved Son. This is my Son. He's accepted, right? My Son. He's mine. Whom I love with Him, I am well pleased. Acceptance. Uh, security and affection, and also uh, purpose or significance. But only if we're coming to the source thirsty. Otherwise, we're just hammering nails and my finger still hurts a little bit. Somebody give me ice. I'm just kidding. It means being immersed in him. And finally, uh, the last P. We looked at what are, what are we parched? Are we looking for the promise? What's the prerequisite? And the last one is What prevents us? What prevents us from being full? Well, one of the ones that nails me more than anything else is what Rob Reamer calls soul-robbing disappointments. Anybody ever have one of those? If you're someone who's followed Christ for any length of time, and if you have any kind of gift of of faith, or you've stepped out and you go, God's going to do this, and it just does not go the way you think it would. And so you know what a lot of us do? What do you think? I'm just going to sit on the sideline. You know, I don't have to be in this anymore. I'm not doing this anymore. I'm disappointed. God, you let me down. You know what it does? If we get back and we seek him, if we come to him, it shows us how thirsty we are. And so what we do is we bring our soul-robbing disappointments to the king. Bring it to your friends Godly friends and maybe a godly counselor, you come to talk to me or Danny or the other pastors, but you got to get past that because it blocks the fillness of the Spirit. Obviously, sin, 
You know why most of us sin? Well, it's because we have a sin nature, but also because we're looking for love in all the wrong places. And so we say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to look for things that are going to fill me. They will. They'll try. They'll promise big, but they won't meet your needs. What about unforgiveness and resentment? You know, I'm not going to forgive them. How can I? God will take that. You're enslaved. What about striving? Like doing the hammer thing in our own strength. Anybody do that? I do. I can work at it and work at it and work until I think it's perfect and it never is. And finally, can you put this picture up there? Isn't that cute? You know what that is? Who knows what kind of animal that is? A sloth. Yeah. And I'm not up here to tell you that you're all a bunch of lazy sloths, okay? That's not my intent. But I can tell you that sometimes when we get really, really busy, the things of this world and our agendas just edge out everything else in our lives. And we can look like that spiritually. When we neglect our spirit, everything else in our life is like pulling an airplane. But when we nurture our spirit and we wait on him in personal worship, what ends up happening is we end up being filled. And being filled with the spirit means waiting and prioritizing. One of the heroes in my life is a, is a guy by the name of Dave Schroeder, David Schroeder. Um, Pastor Denny knows him, I'm sure. He uh, is a guy, my dad was in his Bible study and he wrote a book called Follow Me, The Master's Plan for Men. It's a good book. And... Uh, he also wrote commentaries. He was my pastor as a kid. He was the president of Nia College. He helped me get my internship. And every time I met this guy, I was just almost in awe with him. I remember he was speaking at Mahaffey one year. He wrote a commentary on, Galatia, or on Ephesians and one on Matthew. Love this guy. And then he became president of Nia KTS. And all of a sudden, the seminary just seemed to become more and more effective in really penetrating hard, hard areas and they started to get a reputation of these people are so full of Christ and full of the Spirit that they're powerful that they're being sent out. And so as I, I said, Dave, what happened? And he said, well, I had an experience uh, with the Lord. Um, December 3rd, 2000. Uh, he was staying at some elder's house and he had insomnia so he couldn't sleep and there was no ESPN to watch. They didn't have that. And so instead, he got on his face in worship. And he'd been moving in this direction already. And that's what I want to invite you to do, people, is to begin just move in this direction and God will meet you. And so Dave was sitting there praying with his face to the ground and all of a sudden the Lord spoke to him in his spirit and began to reveal stuff like years passed from his church and he began to say, this is what I have for you. And you know what he said? Thank you, but I don't believe in personal revelation. And in his spirit, he, he sensed the Lord saying to him, well, what do you think this is? And, you know, I don't know where you stand with all that, but here's the proof in the pudding. He says this. He says, um, since that night with the Lord, the effects of that night have been a much more dynamic daily walk with God, a more keen awareness of the glorified Christ, and a definite sense of the empowerment of the Holy Spirit's ministry. And he says, I've also come to believe that God wants, me to man wants to manifest himself very perceptibly to every believer that he fills with his spirit. So if Gail wants to come up to play a little bit, let's, uh, before, we, before we pray, and before Danny comes up and prays over Justin and Heidi, 
let's, uh, let's just ask God to take away anything that's blocking us. Are, are you motivated to, to be fueled, to, to go out and live out the fruit of the Spirit and the empower of the Spirit in front of your coworkers and your family? It's God's best for you. So let's pray. Lord, we're thirsty. Number one, we admit that we are thirsty and we look after things that won't satisfy our thirst instead of you who stands up on the last and greatest day of the, t- of the feast and says, all who are thirsty, come to me and rivers of living water will come out of you, the core of your being. So Lord, we're thirsty and we're coming to you. So Lord, we give you the things that block your Holy Spirit, soul-robbing disappointments. Bring healing in our soul. Help us to get through these. Lord, we give you our sin, our unforgiveness towards others, our resentments, our immorality, our our addictions. We give them all to you, Lord, and we we say we're going to work through these things and put them on the altar. And finally, Lord, we choose to stop striving. We choose to use the nail gun instead of the hammer. So, Lord Jesus... Would you meet us in a personal way for our lives, for our legacy, for the cause of Community Alliance, for the city of Butler, the county of Butler, to the ends of the earth. Would you fill us to overflowing in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, amen. Seek him, pursue him, and he'll meet you.